It was an interesting story. It was a beautiful story. But, um, and it was about a place in Austria uh, on the eastern side of the Alps. And you know, you know, you see those beautiful pictures of those alpine towns. They're so pretty, and and this place was um, just like that. It was perfect. It was beautiful. And what had happened is that when the town was was uh, growing and building, they the town council got together and hired a man to go who lived sort of up the, the hills a bit, and they got him to uh, they paid him to do a job. And this job was to clear branches and leaves and silt. From the stream. So as the water flowed down into the town, it was crystal clear. It was beautiful. And, uh, you know, it, because of his, what he was doing, the swans would come, you know, the swans came to sort of be on the lake, which where the creek flowed into. You can just get this picture. There were sort of mill wheels on the edge along, you know, turning as the, as the creek passed through. There were beautiful little farms that were irrigated by the water. It was just such a pretty town. And as you sort of sat in the restaurant overlooking the town, it was beauty beyond words. And so it became a very popular tourist place. People came there because it was so pretty, it was so beautiful, it was so peaceful and people loved it. So the years passed by, it was a a really popular place to visit. And then one day, uh, you know, this is several years on now, the town council met and the treasurer looked at the books and said, what's this salary we're paying here for this man? We don't even know him, we don't know, we'd never see him. Do you think he's Maybe he's just taking our money. Is he really doing anything? What difference is he making? And so they decided unanimously to, uh, to cease his employment and to stop paying him. And someone went to tell him and they said, we don't want you to do this anymore, whatever you were doing. We don't even know what you were doing. And so uh, they stopped that. And uh, a little while later, time passed on, autumn came, and um, as autumn came, you know, trees shed their leaves, branches fell into the stream, and um, slowly over time, they started to notice that was this yellowish-brown tinge in the water in the town. And as time went on, it got darker and darker, and gradually there was this sort of slimy film that came across the water, and the swans left... And the uh, stench grew and it was even, you know, because of the water being contaminated, people got sick and, of course, it stopped the tourists coming. And the town council met together and they, they said, I think we've made a mistake. I think that this man was doing something we didn't really realise the impact of, it. that he was making a difference to our town because he was making sure everything was clean and right so that our town, you know, so the creek flowed beautifully through to the town, to the, where the lake was in their town. And so they went up to him and they apologised and they said, would you please start doing whatever you were doing again because what's happened is that um, our town's lost life. Things are decaying and it's not great anymore. People don't want to come here. And so he did. He began his job again and within months it, rev- it reverted and things came good again and life came back into that town. You know, I was reading that story and it's just a beautiful story. It's, a, you know, about a, a place. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of a, a Christian message or anything. But I just thought about, as I was reading that, I thought, you know, there's a really challenging analogy here that I think that that's a bit like Christians in the world. You know, when, you're being, when you allow the love of Jesus to be 
within you and you live that out of your life, then you go about day by day. You don't necessarily, people don't say, oh, look what he's doing. Look at the difference he's making. People may not even realise. People may even think that what we do is really not important at all, that we would go in on Saturday nights from 10 to 4 and do street safe in there and try and keep the street safe. People would think, oh, what's that? What difference does that make? But as we, as people who love Jesus, go about just loving Jesus and being Christ, being his hands and feet, people may not see it, but you know if it stopped, this world would end up in decay and ruin. And I think it's a challenge that how we live out our lives, it may not be noticed, but it makes a difference. It makes an impact on the world. So we need to make sure that we keep being Christ in this world because it will make a difference just like that old gentleman in the Alps. I believe God's called us to make a difference, to influence and impact the world in which we live. But I I also believe that this is not possible to do without the presence of Jesus in our lives. We cannot do this on our own. Because we'll run out of patience, we'll run out of love, we'll run out of everything that we need because we just don't have the ability to keep doing this. But Christ in us makes all the difference. And then as we outwork it, he is able to impact the world around us. Do you remember last week Graham was talking about our hearts? I wonder if you took up the challenge this week every evening to reflect on your day and think, what sort of heart did I have? Remember some of the hearts that he was talking about? There was a departed heart, a divided heart, a hard heart, a tender heart, a determined heart. What was the other one, Graham? Seeking heart. And as we reflect on that, you know, this is where it starts from. It starts from in our hearts. In in Psalm 23 and verse 7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, whatever is in your heart, that's what's going to come out. That's what's going to be lived. That's what's going to be shown to other people. And so today, we're talking about the everyday presence of Jesus that starts in the heart, but then it outworks into our everyday actions, into our everyday lives. Rick Warren, who's a pastor in Saddleback Church in America, said, what you do becomes worship When you dedicate it to God, doing it with an awareness of his presence. What you do, I'm talking about your everyday actions. When you're cleaning the house. When you're preparing meals. When you're going to work. When you're serving in a coffee shop. Whatever you do, and you all do different things. This can become worship. If we dedicate it to God with an awareness of his presence, it will change everything. And if we apply this to our daily lives, then our work, our leisure, how we spend our money, how we use our time, the relationships that we have, if we dedicate them to God with an awareness of his presence, then our lives will become an act of worship to God. And God said, whatever we do, we should do willingly to bring glory to him. But you know, I don't think everyone sees it this way. Even Christians don't see it this way. They tend to live in a great divide. 
they say, well, here's Sunday. And they put aside Sunday or whatever day they want to worship. And they, they have that time for God. And they are dedicated to that time. But once they get into the week, busyness sets in and they're over here and they're just doing their job. They're doing their things around the house. I mean, whoever thinks about praying about vacuuming the floors, you know, and we sort of get into this mindset and it's like a great divide. Here's God and his thing and here's us and our thing and we're divided. We, we live in two separate dimensions. God is the spiritual dimension and then we're over here in the, the real world. It's like spiritual is sort of could be a little bit of that airy fairy thing and then over here we've got the real world. And so we tend to live in this great divide, God and us in our workaday world. And if you know, often God we keep God there and we keep ourselves here and we don't sort of bring the two together. But the problem when we have this view is it's going to end up for us in disappointment. It's going to end us up for us in fracture and brokenness. Because if we leave God out of the picture, then where do you get your sense of worth from? Where do you get your sense of identity, your sense of fulfillment? Where does it come from? Does it come from our work? Let's think about work for a minute. If we get our worth and identity from work, and who, then the, the questions of who am I, and why do I matter? If it's based, if those questions are answered in our work, then I think we're on a pretty shaky foundation. Because what happens when we can't work? Or what if there is no work at that time? Or what if the work we're doing we don't feel very validated in? And so what happens in the end is that we'll end up feeling like a nobody and we'll feel that we don't matter at all. And what the other danger that can happen if that work becomes all-consuming because that's where we get our, our identity from, we're driven then about work. And work becomes an idol. That's what we worship because that's where we get everything that we need from. And what happens is God certainly still stays over here. But then what we do is we push away family and we push away friends because we don't have time for them because work consumes us. This view of work leaves God totally out of the picture. But that's not the way God intended life to be. He wants us to live in unity. That's in unity with him as well. He doesn't want this great divide that separates us out from him at times of the week. He loves it when we come together with him. That's great. He loves that. But he wants it to be every day, all day, every day. He wants to be a part of everything that you do because he knows that he can help you in your work. He knows that he can give you wisdom in your work that you won't get from anywhere else. He knows that he'll give you strength in your work that you will run out of, but he can give everything that you need. And so if we, he doesn't, if we don't have in the picture, then where are we getting our strength from and where are we getting our wisdom from? Ourselves? Oh my goodness, that worries me. That I would draw on myself as wisdom or that I would draw on myself for energy because I just run out really quickly. But God, with God, that makes all the difference. Remember what I said a minute ago, Colossians 3, 23. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for God rather than for people. It makes a, diff a big difference when we view Jesus as part of our work rather than separate to it. Because then we will seek from him everything that we need. 
And we will be able to keep everything in balance and everything in its right order. God actually wants us to see work as a gift. You mightn't think that when you've got to vacuum the house or wash the dishes or whatever you've got to do or weed the garden. You might not particularly think that's a gift. But, you know, God gave Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden. Excuse me just for a minute. And he told them to tend it. To cult- Their work was to take care of it, to cultivate it. And he actually gave them dominion over it. And that's where it all started because he gave us this beautiful world to enjoy and he gave us responsibility within it. And then with his help, with his wisdom, with his guidance, we'll be able to outwork it in the way that he wants. Listen to what Solomon, who's known for his wisdom, said in Ecclesiastes 5.19. We'll just go to 19, um, which starts from yes. Yes, we should make the most of what God gives, both the bounty and the capacity to enjoy it. Accepting what's given and delighting in the work, it's God's gift. I'm not just talking about paid work here, I'm talking about any sort of work that we do. We bring glory to God by working diligently, reflecting his heart by serving others. In serving others, we serve God, and that's why our work matters to God. And you might say, Pam, why are you talking about work today? I'm talking about it because we're talking about Jesus every day. Jesus impacting our everyday lives. Talking about not separating it out, not, not dividing our lives in, in, in parts, but making it unified with Jesus as Lord, as Jesus at the centre, him being with us all the time. And so I'm going to invite the host to come. I've got a little bit more message after this, but I want to bring the challenge now because it's around this. If, they could, if you could please hand it out. So the, to, the challenge for this week is on the screen. Every day. This is the challenge. It's not going to take long. But every day, I guess it'd be in the morning, dedicate your work to God. Whatever work you have to do that day. It may be going and serving someone. It may be visiting someone in a hospital. It may be doing stuff around the house. It may be going out to paid work. Whatever work, dedicate your work to God and undertake it with an awareness of his presence. So that what you do becomes worship. Are you up for that? Do you think that would be a good thing to do? Every day, begin dedicating that day and what you're going to do, the work you're going to do, dedicate it to God. Awareness, aware of his presence with you all day and then what you will do will become worship. So there's three other areas of our lives that I just want to mention where I believe we need to be careful about this great divide. Another one is leisure. Now, we all like that time. In fact, often we refer to it, now, this is my time. I get to do what I want. You mightn't get much or you might get a lot, but this is my time. As soon as we say that, we've put the great divide in place. As soon as we say it's my time, It means that we're saying, God, that's yours, this is mine. 
and we want to protect that my time. We become really divided. We say Sundays is from God for God, and Monday to Friday, depending on your, how you work, is for, you know for work. And then I have Saturday for for me, or maybe it's some other time according to your week. But when we divide our time like this, we're in danger of not making Jesus a part of it, because we want control. I mean, do we allow the presence of Jesus to impact our choices? The movies we watch, the television programs we choose, how we spend our time, our spare time. Do we allow Jesus to impact that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So if we're going to do it for God then he's going to have to be a part of it. What about um, possessions and money? This is a big area that, uh, does Jesus need to be a part of this? Does he need to impact our everyday and how we, with what we do with things and with what we do with our money? Well, I think he does because he taught about it a lot and he demonstrated it. He, he demonstrated most of all of what he thought about giving. He gave his life. He gave everything. For us. And throughout the New Testament, you can see where Jesus had a priority on loving people, on caring for the poor, on speaking up for people who had no voice. And I believe God wants us to do the same, to use the resources we have to make a difference, to impact the world, to influence those around us and beyond. But again, I think this great divide is like, um, you know, well, I've earned this, I've got this, these are my things. And when doing that, we tend to sort of leave God out of the picture. He gets disconnected, except perhaps when the buckets pass around on Sunday, then we sort of connect it to God. And I guess that when we fail to manage our possessions and money, we, do we ever think that that could impact our relationship with God? And how we live our lives. I mean, you know, remember that town, they didn't think that that man's, what he did made any difference. And of course, it does. It's just that you don't often see it straight up. And how we deal with things really matters to God and it makes a big difference in our lives. You see, Jesus made it clear that money can be a serious competitor with Jesus. Particularly with our relationship. Whether, no matter how we, and, and listen to what it says in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, once again, it's very easy for this divide to come because we think, well, I want to, I want to do this. Does that mean that excludes God over here? How does that all work together? I think it's about what Steve said earlier. It's about, you know, the kingdom is turned upside down. We give and then God gives back to us. But it's about trusting him to do that. Are you willing to trust him with your money? Are you willing to trust him with your possessions? Because if you are, I can promise you that God is more than generous towards us. He is so generous. 
And what happens is when we trust him and we live our life united with God rather than in the great divide, what happens is that we experience true riches. And what are true riches? They're those, uns- they're those things that are unseen like peace. Peace in our hearts. Deep peace. No matter what's going on around us. Joy. Not just a, you know, a fleeting happiness, but deep joy. These are the true riches. And when we live in unity with God, when we allow him to impact our every day, this is what we experience. This is the difference that he makes. And then finally, our relationships with people. Jesus models how to relate to people. He showed how you relate to important people, to leaders, to people. I mean, he was called the friend of sinners because he hung with those people. He loved being with them. He didn't go and with them, and even although he was the holiest person that's ever lived, he was without sin, and yet he welcomed them. And you know why they, they responded to him? Because he truly loved them. He didn't judge them. He welcomed them. He accepted them. He loved them. And they loved being with him. I think that teaches us something. It's interesting. The religious leaders of the day didn't like Jesus at all. And yet the sinners did. I guess it's about what your priorities are and what you, what you think is important. Because the religious leaders criticized him for, for reaching out to a woman and healing her. For not condemning a lady who'd been caught in adultery but saying, go and sin no more, for loving people. They criticise him. And I think that's a challenge because if we live God here and our relationships over here, that's how we get, that's what happens. Sorry, when we do it that way, we live, I think, with a spirit of judgment because we start to think that we're pretty good. And that person, look what they do. That's what the Pharisees did. But Jesus didn't do that. He loved people. There was no judgment or criticism He made them a part of his every day. And that's what he wants us to do. It doesn't matter what people we come in contact with. And it doesn't matter where we are. We are to love them with the love that Jesus shows us. Which was totally unconditional. Every sin that I've ever committed, God has forgiven through Jesus. He totally loves me. And so he calls me to live in union with him to love other people. You see, when we live looking at people through Jesus' eyes, our perceptions of people change. I heard this statement the other day, you reap what you see. If you see good in people and you draw that out, people are going to respond to that. But if you see negativity, if you start calling out negativity, if you start judging people, they're going to react to that. You're going to reap your attitude. And so it's really important that we allow God's presence every day to impact our relationships. We don't have to live out of fear of people. Some people worry about what people think. If we live out of fear of people, we're going to live in a, you know, we're going to act in opinion rather than conviction. But if we live out of fear of God, we're going to act out of conviction and not out of public in response to public opinion. Because if you let pe- what people think run your life, then it will ruin your life. And the difference between that is I. 
If you let pe what people think run your life, then what people think will ruin your life. And that's all when I think about I, what I want, what matters to me. But when we see people with Jesus' eyes, things change. And then it's all very different. And we'll find an incredible joy in allowing Jesus to impact our relationships every day. So are we living in unity with Jesus and allowing his presence to impact our actions, which only flows out of our relationship with him in our heart? Or we sort of are on, in the great divide where he's over there, we've sort of relegated him to that spot and then we've got this spot. You know, we're coming up to Easter next weekend and right from the beginning of time, if you've, if, if you've done that, that's just what mankind has done since Adam and Eve. Chosen to do it their own way. Chosen to put themselves in control. And it separates us. It's sin and it separates us from God. And so we've got this great chasm between us and God. And we can't get across that chasm. There's no way that anything I can do can get me to God on the other side. The only thing that will do that, the only thing that will bridge that divide is the cross of Jesus. And he gave it all so that we can cross over to have unity, fellowship, joy, love with Jesus, with God in our relationship with him. And so today, as we think about Jesus in our lives every day, remember that he made the way whereby, and even if we sin, he loves us and we just come back to him. We just respond to his love and he forgives us and we keep growing in relationship with him. He's not a judge He's your saviour. He loves you. And, and above all, he wants to live in unity, in union, in community with you. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, we thank you for this time this morning when we can reflect on how much you love us, what you did for us, so that we could live in communion with you, God. Forgive us for the times when we take things back into our own hands and we relegate you to a place separate to ours. Help us to live in unity with you, God. We thank you that through Jesus you've made this possible. And I pray, Lord, that today that each of us can take up that challenge to dedicate what we do every day to you. Allow your presence to impact our lives so that what we do work brings worship and glory to your name. We bless you and we thank you, God, in your precious name. Amen.